0: Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky coming to you on Friday. The what is it? The eighteenth. The eighteenth of August. Andy. Um, and precious little basketball has happened. We're gonna we're gonna zip through the basketball. And get the stuff we find really interesting in the end. Some of the fun pop culturey things. Uh, but we will talk a little bit of basketball. The Lakers schedule was re- was released this week. Um, and they're on it. They're going to play 82 games. They've spread them out, fewer back-to-backs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very clear the the league was
1: listening to the complaints of players and the messages being sent by Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, sitting guys on nationally televised games. Right. And they they played ball. And I Yeah, think they, if they're... you go
0: back, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like you break down the amount of you know the days off that the Warriors, for example, who play more ABC games than anybody, have between – you know, the, the 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 big national games and their next one. And it's it's basically like, okay, we solved your problem. Right. Don't bleep with us anymore. Right, exactly.
1: I mean, if you're going to rest Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green on the same day, it'll be on a Wednesday night in Orlando. Right. Which sucks to be those people, but at least from the league's purposes, it will not be on a Saturday <laughs> night marquee game against the Thunder.
0: Exactly. Um, but what, what really struck me, and... Some people get really excited about the schedule release. I'm not one of those people. I mean, it, it, you sit there and you make all these projections about this game, and then the games actually start and none of the stuff means anything anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fun to take a look at just like sort of revenge
1: games and things yeah, like, that. like you know, oh, like Paul George's first time back in Indiana. Yeah, You know, last year Kevin Durant's first time in Oklahoma City, you know, the, the the type of the type of games with some sort of like Natural potential for animosity. Right, but it's. Or maybe a natural, you know, natural great homecoming. Right.
0: It's just one of those things where it's it's like, oh, okay, I got to remember, like, on January 7th, I'm going to want to watch that game. Right, but But it's not like, like, but it doesn't matter to me if it's January 7th or, like, November 3rd. I mean, that part of it. Just, or like the idea of okay, like let's break down
1: every single game. Okay, now they're playing the Hawks. Then they go right. to the Bobcats. Like I, I no, no, no,
0: no, we're not. I, we're not doing that. Um, so I did
1: though find, by the way, uh, before we get into, I, I think the the overarching point that we want to make. Um, I do find it interesting sometimes to look at the schedule. And find what might be the relatively speaking soft section, because for the Lakers it's all relative. They're a bottom third team. Right. But what might be a They th-
0: are the soft section. Right. They're the traveling soft section. Right. I mean look, they're
1: moving in the right direction. I, I like right. I, I like what they have right now, but they are a lower third team. And then also finding uh what I call the g <laughs> section. <laughs> Just like the section that would be difficult even, if, even if they were good. Okay. This is what I found for the relatively Speaking soft section, I was looking for like a stretch of like five or six games and one just two or three when the win streak happens. Here we go. Um, This is the relatively speaking soft section. Uh, March 16th hosting Miami. I, I think Miami is going to be somewhere in between the team that was awful. And the team that, that was a mazeball, right? I, I don't okay, think they're fair. really capable of being that team again. And I, I have a feeling there's some people on that team who could get a little fat and happy with their new contracts. I'm looking at you, you Dion. Dion Waiters. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the 19th of March, after, he gets fat. I don't. I've
0: never really seen him happy though. Oh, he gets happy whenever he puts up shots, man. <laughs> My, I love. But over, you have to admit, Dion Waiters' default setting, though, is not happy. Uh, I.
1: I loved, don't think that's how I it works. I love. That, you know, there have been these rumors about, you know, Kyrie Irving. We know he wants to leave. That's not even a rumor. But that Miami was one of his destination teams, and Dion Waiters was asked about that and said (laughs) someone should let him know they already have an alpha male. Yep. I love that. Uh, The 19th of March at the Pacers. 22nd of March at uh, the Pelicans. Who even knows post deadline what that team? Which, by paint. the way, that
0: could turn into like a really hard game. It could be of a of really a hard game, but it could be. A- That's a, they're a weird team. It's like we we talk about them like they're garbage. They do have Demarcus sure. Cousins, Anthony Davis, and Drew Holiday. Right. Right. That. Ought to be a good team. But you don't know. I but mean, you don't know. You're right. You, could you be have terrible. no
1: idea. They may not be good. Uh the twenty fourth at the gri- I mean at the Grizzlies. I'm already penciling no, Chandler, really Chandler Parsons is injured. That's not good. Uh the twenty sixth uh in Detroit against the Pistons, and then the twenty eighth hosting Dallas. That's that's a they should win a three of those. Right. Again, relatively speaking, soft. Right, I,
0: I think the the beginning of the, the first twenty games to me are just sort of interesting because they don't play a ton of elite teams and they don't play a ton of garbage teams right. either. And so you might like last year, they were 10 and 10 because nobody was paying any attention. And then they finished, like, what with like the five game win streak because of Tyler Ennis and nobody was paying attention. Like at that point in the year, people move on. Um, but, they, you know, the that it's like the Clippers and New Orleans and Washington, Toronto, Utah, Detroit, like, bad, a lottery team, but not awful. They won like 30 something games last year. People thought they might make the playoffs. And so it's not the worst kinds of, of bad teams and it's not the best kinds of good teams. So we might get an actual, a decent feel. And then of course, uh, November 3rd. D'Angelo Russell, who we're going to talk about in a minute, is going to return to Staples Center in one of those types of games that you mentioned, and he is going to get the crap boot out of it. Yeah, I, I also... also going to boo the crap out of D'Angelo you Russell. You mentioned starting against the Clippers. They actually end against the
1: Clippers, and I like that because assuming everybody on both sides is healthy and they're playing, like, you know, the playoff seedings aren't already fixed for the Clippers right. if they're in the playoffs and, you know, they're sitting certain guys, it could be actually a pretty good indicator to see how the team's progress, uh, throughout the season sure um this is the guh <laughs> section
0: okay you're right we forgot that Let me see all right you start and let me see if I, it's the same that i'm looking at december 14th at cleveland mm.
1: december 18th hosting the warriors december 20th at houston yeah december 22nd at golden state december 23rd hosting the trailblazers this is the by the way this probably the, the, it easiest, was the easiest game on, right all right it.
0: hosting the trailblazers and then the 25th hosting the timberwolves right and by the way it doesn't get a whole lot easier no. after that you get a home game against memphis who will still probably be a pain in the ass to play um mm-hmm. and then the clippers and then houston and then minnesota and then oklahoma city yeah, so I I one gone go. you could have kept going into january one game in there where you go whew, break time and it's against memphis which you know they're not like brooklyn Um, The thing that really struck me about the schedule is the amount of national TV games the Lakers play. They have 35 scheduled games and 11 are on TNT and 11 are on ESPN, which is high for both of those things. And I I think 12 on NBA TV, which is as many as you can have. Um, They have one fewer than the max for TNT games. I think two fewer than the max for ESPN games. The only place where the Lakers are not disproportionately represented for a 26 win team are the Sunday ABC games. They only they only do that once. Um, and let's keep in mind that the Lakers won 26 games last year, and the it's not they're not like Minnesota, who have 25 national TV appearances this game this year. Who are expected to jump into the top five, top six or something like that with Jimmy Butler and all the other stuff that they've done. So, you know, the Lakers are a 30 low 30s win team by Vegas odds playing 35 times. Only teams in front of them, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Houston, Golden State. That's it. There are 12 playoff teams from last year that are playing on TV less than national TV less than the Lakers. And obviously, this plays really well, Andy, into the whole thing that Magic and Rob Palenka have been trying to do, which make this team more relevant again. They are extremely relevant um, by this standard. And it all gets back to Lonzo. Lonzo Ball, which this plays into the conversation that we had in last week's show where you were asking me, if does it matter if Lonzo isn't rookie of the year? And mm-hmm. the odds makers came out this year. And it's basically it's neck and neck between him and Ben Simmons. It depends yes. on which sports book you go to. But, you know, I recommend Den- going to all of them. Right. <laughs> but like Dennis Smith your bets. Dennis Smith is up there. You know, the odds for guys like DeMarco Fox and Markel Fultz are all you know, they're all in that sort of eight to one, you know, twelve to one, pretty good odds. You know, Jason Tatum got some. So the it's a really stacked class. I still don't think it matters if he's rookie of the year or not, because like if Philly makes the playoffs and Ben Simmons plays well, there's gonna be a big push to make Ben Simmons the the rookie of the year. If Lonzo is good, doesn't matter. If Lonzo struggles, though, it matters. And when you look at the schedule, everyone's going to see. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not so much the rookie of the year, the not rookie of the year thing, but, you know, he's going to be out there for people to see a lot, 35 times on national TV. That's basically every other game that they play. And then you combine that with the you know the times that other people are literally on the floor with, it. everyone will know exactly how well or how poorly or where his game is progressed. Everyone's going to see it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting
1: too, Brian, to see if they're still on national TV for all these games in March and April. Yeah,
0: that's the the NBA TV games are the ones that are are really flexible. Right, that.
1: and I mean once all the initial hype has been milked for all it's worth. You know, I mean come January, February, when I mean there's we've exhausted every single possibility for <laughs> Bessie the Lonzo cow. Has it, been, it, has exactly. Been fully exactly. You're still left with a team that is not going to be very good, even if you think they're moving in the right direction. And if Lonzo doesn't deliver, you know, for basically self contained entertainment value, they're going to start getting bumped. They're good. In those games, I actually think they're going to be bumped. Um, you know, I mean, because Kobe used to be able to keep the the Lakers on national TV, even when the w- even when the team wasn't very good. But Lonzo ain't Kobe. I mean, at least not till like the fourth or fifth game of the right. of the season, in which case he becomes actually more he becomes better than Kobe ever
0: was. <laughs> the funny, the good thing about about Lonzo, though, in terms of all this, you know, is he going to? you Because know, the Lakers, obviously, they are putting a lot on this kid to be the center of the recruitment. I mean, like magic is making him part of the pitch and all that kind of stuff. The one good thing about it is, you know, he might shoot like, what do you think his three point percentage is going to be this year?
1: 34.
0: I was going to say like 33, 34, maybe, you know, if he, if he scrapes like 37, 38, that'd be great. Um, I mean, his five point percentage might be like 29. (laughs) (laughs) The kid really likes to be behind the line. His rock and jock percentage. (laughs) Bill Bellamy is going to be impressed with some of those, but like, the one thing his his signature talent and his signature thing that people look for in him doesn't really slump like he could shoot over 10 on one night from three point range and he's still almost surely going to have two or three plays a night where he whips a pass somewhere or whatever and and that highlight is going to be on SportsCenter. It's going to be on Spectrum if you're local and watch it. It, it you know. will. It'll be on NBA TV. I'm not saying the other stuff doesn't matter. No, no, but I'm, I'm just saying the one that that works for him and works for the Lakers in this sense is the thing that they're selling is something that doesn't really slump. It doesn't need to be a scorer um, or a shooter to appear in the highlight No, but, it, but he does. No, or far, on social media. No, but, it,
1: but as far as the narrative goes, he does need to be something of a scorer to not be labeled as struggling. And if Lonzo, you know, to quote white men can't jump, you know, sure, you can throw a few passes out of your ass. But if Lonzo can't score and he's struggling in other areas, you know, we've seen other pass-first guys. You know, I mean, Rondo for years, you know, people, it's easy to forget Rondo at his peak was a pretty effective player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a very good defender. He's an incredible passer. Nobody would get off the fact that he struggled scoring. Same with Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is well, as good a passer know as you're is, going to but see. But here's the
0: thing: it's not so much the scoring. Like if Lonzo averages fourteen, you know, fourteen points a year for most of his career, it's the shooting. And I, I this so it's, it's it's if he averages ten points a night and shoots thirty six percent, just not taking a lot of shots. That to me is okay. Ten points a night where he can't shoot for bleep—that's problematic. All I'm saying is, I, yeah,
1: if if they're if there's an ability to create a narrative where he is struggling at anything other than passing because the bar has been set so high and whenever you have a high bar you, you leave yourself open for backlash no question. it's going to be there and thank you this 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 is what levar has done for him oh this is what levar but also it's what the organization's done yeah i mean when you, when you label a kid the face of a franchise before he's even played a summer league game i mean you are setting yourself up for potential failure, and you're setting yourself up for potential disappointment that, by the way, may have nothing to do whatsoever with how Lonzo's is playing by any realistic right. standard. They,
0: they certainly have not done the underpromise promise, over deliver thing. No, no. If anything, they've done like the, you know, over promise <laughs> and in. you best deliver right. thing. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, I think that's why I think the rookie of the year thing matters just because
0: they're relying so much on narrative. Well, it's a reflection, I think, of what. Of what they're like, you know, of what they're setting up. It would obviously be better if he does. Right. I mean,
1: look, if he and Ben Simmons end up in this year-long monoe mono where they're both, you know, playing out of their asses, and you know, eventually one of them has to win. Right. And fine. if Philly makes
0: the playoffs, Ben Simmons fine. will win. But if Ben Simmons clearly has a better season
1: than Lonzo,
0: that matters. If Ben Simmons, I, I agree that matters. What really matters is if. Dennis Smith sure. has a better, like sure. you know, De'Aaron Fox, sure. one of those guys. Uh, what I'm what is Lonzo if, can't do is what Brandon Ingram did last year, which is you got to be watching the whole, the, all the games, and you sort of see progress at the end of the year and all that. He can't do what Ingram did, which was be statistically one of the worst players in the see, NBA I, for the first six see, games. I, of I disagree. I don't even think it's that. I don't think it's
1: that simple. I think if Lonzo's
0: good. That may not right. be enough. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying like what we saw last year out of Ingram, where that was sort of excused, will not happen with Lonzo this year, and even more so, the the bar of what constitutes good is going to be going to be higher. It's going to be
1: extremely yeah. high. It's um, going to be like
0: LeBron high. It kind of is. Yeah, I think I don't. I I think. It's in that ballpark I mean it's hard to remember it's hard to go back and remember what the LeBron hype was because it's been a, it's you know as they say it's been a minute right but it was it exceptionally was, yeah. high and that's that's what Lonzo's staring at right now um, real quick on D'Angelo before we get to a little bit of LeBron and KD because they've been in the news this week not for basketball but Andy for politics they mm-hmm. did not stick to sports nope um, D'Angelo Russell quoted on WFAN in New York about the the trade a couple things. Um, He was asked if if he thinks he got a fair deal from the Lakers. And he said, quote, it's business, man. That's how I got to look at it. A lot of things happen in this league and you don't agree with it or however you may feel about it. And at the end of the day, you realize it's business. I'm going to go ahead and say that's a no. (laughs) (laughs) Read in between the lines there. Uh, Second thing that I thought was interesting, uh, first reaction to the trade, quote, I was excited. I was excited to get a new opportunity to start over, but it definitely caught me off guard. You see guys get traded. You never think it would uh, it would have to be you until it does. New step for me. You know, I think it's a completely legitimate answer to that question, but it does two things. First of all, reinforces he is going to get lustily booed when he comes back to Staples Center in November, and you can't blame him. No. I mean, there's nothing. I mean,
1: there's look. He was he was set up out the door to get booed when he came back. When Magic first talked about him and, and said, "You know, I needed a leader," right? He you know,
0: Magic sort of walked it back he's, a little he, bit. Magic has walked long. it back,
1: and and I've heard before that he actually felt kind of bad with how that, you know, with how it came out and you know, the way it was interpreted, right. and you know, he has tried to make it seem like he wasn't looking to trash D'Angelo. I think it's pretty clear he was. <laughs> it's 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 hard. It's hard to to say. Well, you know, otherwise. he didn't. He
0: didn't need to burn a D'Angelo Russell jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was a step too far trying to make your point. Um,
1: so I mean, D'Angelo and D'Angelo was already working with the villain narrative before any of this happened. Right. You know, I mean, D'Angelo had essentially been the the villain since like the moment he met Byron Scott.
0: Yeah. I mean the the contrast. We talk about this. We talked about this on air actually. Like the contrast, how you come into the league and what what the story is. Your first impression, how you do it, it. It's so important in terms of being able to get the time you need to develop, having the loyalty of the city. Jared Goff. If you want to put Lonzo Ball's got an incredible amount of capital. I think now to play with he killed it in summer league people are excited about him he's got a style people like he's got magic johnson on his side and all that stuff teams you know the the whole attitude and feeling around the the franchise is different now than it was jared goff got nothing nope people are just waiting for a reason to drop you know the 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 axe on on his neck d'angelo was always and some of this was his own fault. Don't get me wrong, but D'Angelo was always closer to that Jared Goff side than than uh, the the where Lonzo is. He Russell even before he got off to kind of a slow start, and like Emmanuel Mudiay was great for a week, which made Russell look terrible and all that. He still wasn't embraced in the same way that Ingram has been. And certainly that Lonzo is no, I, I think even Julius Randle was embraced more. Yeah, and, just, and some. And it no, it just, I was going really to say, to some degree with Randle, there was a sympathy
1: factor because he broke his foot like 10 minutes into his first game. Broke his leg. Yeah. Broke his leg. Uh, that was terrible. I would say, I mean, this might be a good way of putting it. D'Angelo did himself few favors while he was in L.A., but I think he was also given few favors.
0: Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah, it, that's a good way of putting it. So I don't blame him for being excited to go. So he had to go. I mean, I mean look, the, this is the best argument, by the way, for trading him. It's yes. like he just had to go. It's also, it's it's one of those things It's hard to get too behind him. It was like, well, if you create the situation, if you create the environment that makes it so the player has to leave, do you get credit for trading him look, at that the, point? The, I mean, the, so.
1: the minute they started talking up De- Lonzo as the face of the franchise. You know, a transcendent player a le- that makes the leader every- they need. Right, All that right. makes everybody blah, blah, blah. better. You can You really can't have D'Angelo still on the team. I mean, I think it's unfair. I mean, unfair might be the wrong word. I think it's a it's a, an untenable situation
0: for D'Angelo, and I do question whether or not he would be mature enough to handle it. It's possible, and uh, I would have liked to have seen it, but we've we've certainly covered that before. Um, our two instances this week of basketball players getting political. Uh, LeBron James speaking to a bunch of kids in Ohio was talking about Charlottesville and you know a need to bring people together and, and of unity and all that and he, in reaction to the president's comments over the weekend. Um, this is before it even got <laughs> – before his follow-up. For the press conference, uh, that- oof! <laughs> Good lord. Um, before that, he he referred he was described to- by some uh, President Trump as going rogue. Yes, I, I see that much more like that Chris Rock routine. Yeah, where the the tiger, tiger went Tiger. Went tiger. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, he referred to Trump as our so-called president mm-hmm. in reaction to to Trump's comments about about Charlottesville um, the other day earlier this week. Kevin Durant was being interviewed, and he said made it unequivocally that he would not be going to the White House, assuming that the Warriors are invited. And not only that, he is—he believes that his teammates will feel the same and also won't be going. So stick to sports, Andy, is not big with uh, stars this offseason. No, I mean,
1: we've talked about this before, Brian, but I, I feel like at the very least, for as long as Donald Trump is the president and in office – I don't know if you're going to ever see an NBA team visit the White House. He is exceptionally unpopular in the NBA. Maybe
0: maybe if Utah
1: (laughs) (laughs) wins. You might see – well, I mean, they they lost maybe a quarter of the guaranteed right. uh, visitors when and it's not it has nothing.
0: To do with this that, this is not me saying that the players there aren't you know don't have a, a sense of social. Only that I think this White House would just assume that they would show up. Right? No, they'll they, well, they're gonna they'll
1: probably just no matter who wins, uh, no matter who wins the championship, they're just gonna extend an invite to the Jazz. <laughs> well, I actually <laughs> or, I came up with a really good solution. or the fans of Boston. I came up with a really good solution, Brian. Um I think it was maybe six months or so ago that every year, as long as Trump is in the White House, the NBA just sends Spencer Hawes as a representative <laughs> of the league. No matter which team wins, no matter if Spencer Hawes on the team, you know or what not, they
0: should do is when the Warriors win, you invite. The Minnesota Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a baseball team. Got people will show up. Pick a football team. People will show like,
1: up. Like I keep picturing, by the way, too. Like whoever is the new Sean Spicer insisting that like it's gonna be Hope Hicks. They, they okay, that, like Hope Hicks insisting that like Patrick McCaw, Clay Thompson, and Mike Brown on the dais <laughs> is the biggest turnout for
0: any right. NBA team. Period. I will say that I, you before we get into the 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 but, stuff about the players themselves, I actually don't think they're going to be invited. Um, and I could see this too as you could say, you could either make, if you wanted to make an issue out of it, like, you know, that it might play to a base, so you invite them and then they don't come, and then you can make a thing out of it, how they're disrespecting the office and all that kind of stuff. But I also just think it's monumentally embarrassing to have it too. You because know, Steve Kerr doesn't like him. No, I mean, and the players. don't. you think David West is going to show no, up? Da- I
1: mean, da- David West, Andre Iguodala, they're Sean not, Livingston. They're they're these not players, going Steph Curry, to, they're not going to come. I mean, Steph Curry sent a very uh, not so subtle subtweet after right. the Under Armour CEO uh, left whatever now uh, disassembled right, whatever council. The,
0: right, that he didn't like. He didn't like that he. He didn't
1: like that Kevin Plank was on it. And I think he was very happy that Kevin Plank left. And at this
0: point, it doesn't matter it doesn't because matter. The count, all, it's, it's all they've gone. now. There's like, I think, three there are, councils There are not many councils left.
1: No, the the infrastructure council, I, I guess, has been tabled or canceled.
0: Yeah, they're all not a good, not a good week for councils. No, um, but I just I can't, you believe can't
1: I stock and council.
0: If you invite an NFL team that wins, it's 50 something guys plus team personnel, plus whatever. If 20 people don't show up, it's still a big group photo. If you invite a well, basketball, I mean the last one, Brian, with the Patriots, that's the biggest ever, right? If 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 you invite a basketball team, and if even four guys are missing, if, right, you're four guys notice. aren't missing, you're going to notice. Particularly if, depending on who if the four eight are. guys aren't missing, you're really going to notice. And if those eight are Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Draymond, Andre Iguodala, I mean, it's it, you and Ian Clark is just not. <laughs> Hey man, and I, I'm not sure Ian Clark wants to go. So there's that. But the the larger question, and I heard Kelvin and Marcellus debating this yesterday, is, you know, and it's one you talk about these councils and whether or not you should be on them or not on them. You know, I, I think if people have been paying attention, they will have will have picked up on the fact that you and I are not supporters of the president. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I, I'm, not, I'm I, and I, and it's not. Partisan. It's not a, i am I, I'm, I've tried very hard to, um, make it very clear that my, my objection isn't with Republicans, with, with some, sometimes I disagree with, I disagree with Democrats on a lot of things too. I find him problematic. Y- yes. Canada of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something else, but problematic is, is probably a better word. Um, it's, you know, do you show up? You know, do you? You know, is it more important to be part of the conversation where you might be able to steer things in a direction that you think is more positive, or do you make? Do you do better by boycotting and saying I'm not going to go? And I think there are positives and there are negatives to both. Um, if you're sitting on the that you know the the engineering council, whatever it might be, for something like this though, it's very different because Marcellus was kind of framing it like you get this opportunity to speak your piece to the president. Is not how this works. No, you stand up there. You might get a tour of the White House. You might get to talk to you know uh, someone. You might be able to you know speak your piece to General Kelly or something. Like that, but there won't be cameras there, and it won't oh, ma- Boy, that guy's gonna be mainlining scotch by yeah. the end of this month. So you don't, you don't. They, they, they you stand up there. They whisk the president, in, and he's gonna say a couple things. Particularly with the Golden State Warriors, they're not gonna put him near Steph Curry for, and then they're gonna whisk him away. You, it's a, it's forty five seconds, and you're a prop. And I can understand why these guys in this situation where you're not going to get a substantive opportunity to speak your piece about um, about policy, about what you don't like about the president, whatever it might be, won't show up. And I don't and I, I, and I think that's fine.
1: But you know what? I'll, I'll take it a step further. Because, like you know, when Trump was first, uh, when he first won, and and you could see he was setting up these teams, and you're going through the transition. Then, when he was first in office, there were people like, say, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a you know very very high profile environmentalist, who you know took a meeting with Donald Trump. He sought it out because you know DiCaprio is very involved in environmentalism, and you know I think it's safe to say the Trump administration is not. And DiCaprio wanted to try to you know, make his case uh, to Donald Trump to change his views on different environmental issues. And as time has gone on, it's become very clear that whether you're talking about somebody like DiCaprio or whether you're talking about somebody who's formerly a part of the administration, Donald Trump doesn't listen to you. I think that's he true. D- he doesn't listen at all. I think that's true. So if you're, say, Kevin Durant, even the opportunity in theory to speak your piece to the president, it's ultimately worthless because, you know, he's not actually going to listen. So at that point, what you're really left with is a choice of do I want to do I want to give this legitimacy? Do I want to treat this administration and this the the occupants of the White House with the typical legitimacy that you would give any other administration, regardless of whether you agree with them politically right. or not? please <laughs> cuz I, I mean I'll, and that's
0: ultimately what these guys are saying it'll be no. in, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when a more normal president of any party is elected and what happens and what you know the nba culture and what what's one of the things that's fascinating to me about this is while you know while we talk about lebron and kd and what they're saying i mean like, well and it's not just those guys the you know the cubs snuck in there <laughs> the cubs snuck in there their white house visit right you know they 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 hustled that thing up you know they they snuck that in there and it's it is interesting to 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 watch as we we see the Colin Kaepernick stuff and Michael Bennett who has been over the course of this week i think uh, very articulately explaining why he is he is sitting in the anthem and um, laying out his reasoning and all these things in ways that even if you don't agree with, make it impossible to misstate what kind of statement he's trying to make. The, the culture of basketball is so different than the culture of football and the culture of of baseball. And I'm not just talking about the demographics of the people who, who enjoy the sports, because I think generally speaking broadly, it, the, the, the audience of basketball is a more liberal audience politically than the audience of baseball and football but it's also a more liberal culture yes where you are you are encouraged by the mechanics of the league which is a an individual star making type thing to have a voice to be an individual to be nick young and have you know kind of a quirkiness about you to dress in a way that makes you you know like russell westbrook or whatever it might be whereas the nfl and baseball these are places where conformity is much more of a of 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 the culture. You're not supposed you, you are not supposed to step out line and make yourself a distraction. No, make I mean it's a, big, story. it's a big it's a big reason. So it's not so it's going to happen in basketball far more than it's going to happen in any other. Sport. No, it's a,
1: it's a big reason that you and I. I think I'm speaking for you. Enjoy covering the NBA so much. And if if I yeah, these if, guys are fun. They're people. Right. If if I could only cover one sport. It would easily be the NBA. It's not even a hard choice. I mean, you know, it's primarily what you and I do, but we cover other sports oh, and no, around said, other teams. The, boor- the,
0: the, the boringness of baseball players is trumped by the uh, 162 game thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, the that's, big bleep that with baseball, 162 and, and games it. plus <laughs> spring training.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we've done it. It wasn't fun. No,
0: and we didn't even have to travel. It no, still
1: sucked. But I mean, but that's what makes ultimately the NBA is the most interesting Of of all the you know the big four and all the major sports leagues, and it is because of things like this. And it's
0: in these guys understand, I think, more than Tom Brady does. More than I'm trying to think of a a, you know who is a a baseball player with a a voice nationally. There really isn't one. Bryce Harper, maybe Bryce Harper or Clayton Kershaw, whatever it is. Tom Brady is a massive figure in 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 American sports, but. It's – his voice is different and it's diluted by the size of the team and the organization around him. If Tom Brady doesn't show up to the White House, it's a story and he's done it twice. He did it with Obama and he did it again with Trump. Um, Or was it twice with Obama? I, I, thought, I thought it was one each. I Lee, think he didn't show up with, with Trump also. Because his, but his mom was sick either way, whatever it was. But it, it's a story but it's not the same kind of story if – um I, know, think, I think I think if memory
1: serves with Brady his mom was legitimately sick during the Trump visit he came up with a reason that was uh, pretty easily exposed as a uh, BS right.
0: with Obama uh, right and I th- but either way it's like when LeBron doesn't show up if KD doesn't show up it, it is a different kind of story because these guys are bigger personalities they are um They are seen as, you know, with I think the louder voice and and, uh, more empowered than somebody like Tom Brady and certainly more empowered than if you start going down the list, like the eighth most high profile NFL player, whoever that might be, versus, you know, the eighth or 10th biggest star in the NBA. NBA players have been empowered in ways that other sports players haven't been just by the nature of the league and the way the way the machinery operates. And I think that's why you see so much more of this in the NBA than you do in other sports and why there's less resistance to it beyond just the fact that it's a younger, you know, uh, more diverse, you know, more liberal, you know, politically well, and liberal. Also too, crowd. I mean, the, the leaders, I mean, like the, the true leaders
1: in the NBA are some of the most outspoken people. LeBron mm-hmm. James, Carmelo, Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, you know, increasingly Kevin Durant, like, the people who lead the league, like, and when I say lead the league, I don't mean just the most high profile. I mean, they are involved with CBA discussions. They're involved with the players union. Like, the, Chris Paul knows how that works, man. Right. I mean, the, that out. these are, these are literally people involved with shaping the direction of the NBA who, like, really have a voice. They're some of the most politically active people in the NBA. Because they can. Because they can. Um, and it's also, too, I mean, like, Along these lines, I guess maybe the the last point I'd want to bring up on this discussion is: as long as Donald Trump is in office, the stick to sports thing. I mean, you're just if you're somebody who wants athletes and sports media to just stick to sports, you are reduced to an old man screaming at a television, screaming at your radio. Like that's dead. It's not. It was was a myth anyway. It was always a myth. Always a a myth. Sports and politics have always intersected. But I'm just saying at this point, where we are right now as a country and as a society, you are you are
0: screaming into the wind with nobody listening. Right. The, 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 big, the, the difference between now and, and before is that athletes are empowered in ways they didn't used to be, particularly financially, to say what they want. I mean, LeBron James can say what he wants because LeBron James is more powerful and more desired by, the, by many of the companies that want to stay in business with him. You know, you you're not gonna there's not gonna be backlash against LeBron James because LeBron James has leverage. No, he needs them more than the company he needs he, the he, company they need less the, right. than the company needs Correct. him. So um that was it was just interesting that that came up twice in a week. Um, turning now to the other important things, you noticed two significant pop culture events this week. Yeah. um,
1: Earlier in the week, uh, August 14th, was the 30th anniversary of the teen classic Can't Buy Me Love. Yes. Uh, Patrick Dempsey, uh, Amanda Peterson, uh, Courtney Gaines, uh, Malachi, Mm -hmm. And a rather young, uh, then unknown Seth Green. Yes. As and, Patrick Dempsey's and little and a brother. A
0: lawnmower. A lawnmower. And, lawnmower, and lawnmower, uh, dance.
1: Yeah, it's uh, about, um, a dorky kid paid by, played by Patrick Dempsey who in an effort to become cool pays, uh, one of the cool girls, uh, played Cindy Mancini, played by Amanda Peterson to pretend to be his girlfriend for, I think it was a month and He's right. It ends up making him cool, but you know, he, there are a
0: lot of ramifications it of becoming cool. Right? Yes, it does. Uh, I think we all remember moments like this. Oh, you, you demolished me New Year's Eve. But see, I realized you did me a favor. You brought me back to reality. All I ever wanted to do was get close to you. And then, when I finally got there, it wasn't me anymore. Nope.
1: Cindy. Oh, Cindy. I was just hoping we could sweat this out. You know, the real me. And the real you. That's all. Okay. But not at six o'clock in the morning. Okay. I'll come back at eleven.
0: Of course, we, we all remember the seminal moment of the movie, which was- In the outdoor cafeteria. In the outdoor cafeteria, which is a very California thing. Cools, nerds, your side, my side. Man, it's all bullshit It's just tough enough to be yourself. It's tough enough to be yourself, Ian. It is. It really is.
1: But, you know, I mean, we're we're making fun of that, but it, it's interesting. You know, that movie came out in- It's a great movie. I no, it, it, it came out in 87, and it's considered a teen classic, I mm-hmm. think. You know, may, maybe not like- True upper echelon in quality, but it's you know it's got a lot of rewatchability. It's it's a movie that's had staying power, and everybody
0: got, knows that speech,
1: right? Everybody knows you bleeped on my house. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that. It got me thinking, um, and it's in part because I, I I've been reading a book lately called uh, Brat Pack America by Kevin Smokler that it's a deep dive into the eighties as part of the teen uh, teen movie genre, right? Because the eighties is really considered, I think, like the seminal decade. For teen movies mm-hmm. and it got me thinking about what are the best non-john hughes teen movies so you're
0: taking like take breakfast breakfast club off the board because i think Bre- Bueller, breakfast club i
1: think would be considered probably by most the consensus best I, movie. I th- yeah and then you know pretty in pink is pretty, pretty in good pink, weird science weird science is some crazy. kind of wonderful like you said Every Ferris god Goddamn night on the on telephone? telephone What you you talk about on telephone um it got me thinking, though, like especially because this came out in the '80s, and the '80s have you know that flashpoint right. moment for for the teen genre. Like, what the, are the the best non huge? All right,
0: do they have to be in the '80s? Or, I, mean, no. I pulled okay, nope, because um, I pulled up a, a well, look. You could go to something like Rebel Without a Cause I'm, if you wanted, it, right? And I wouldn't have thought of that um, because it's too old. But I'm, I, I I just googled best teen movies, and I'm looking the list right now. Um, you know, along that line, if you want to go there, like you know, American Graffiti but uh you know stand by me stand by me is great that's a great one dazed and confused is yes. great uh, the specificity of dazed and confused
1: like the, the way that they captured i think it's 1977 either 76 or yeah, 77 it's, it's like so the perfect. era of it's teenagers so in
0: at that time in that part of texas right is perfect. If Fast Times were just a movie where Phoebe Cates got out of the, the pool, <laughs> it would be enough, Dianu, You know, but but it actually is a good movie around it. But again, so I'll put too, fast like specificity, yep. and it's
1: also, I mean, it's funny for so many outrageous moments in that movie. For people who aren't aware, it's actually based off a book that Cameron Crowe wrote going undercover at a high school, mm-hmm. like pretending to be a student and observing. I
0: think it's in San Diego. That's a great one. Um, mean Girls is really good. Mean Girls is really good. Heathers is great. Heathers is fantastic. Um, that, and that is of that 80s era. I like Juno. Juno is good. Juno's a good movie. Does that quite? I mean, it's a teen movie. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely a teen um, movie. I don't know what what else would you. Think um, I had risky business. Yes, risky business. Risky for business sure. is
1: fantastic. Uh, Easy A. Have you ever seen that? With uh, Emma I Stone? have. It's good. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. A, I I'm, like, not, I'm not as
0: big on Napoleon Dynamite as others, like but a lot of people will put that in there as as an important one.
1: I did not like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Risky period. business is great. Risky business. Um, the Outsiders, which is sort of yeah. a throwback. Um, it's a it's a it's little. It's funny. Schmaltzy. Like I don't
0: think of The Outsiders as a teen movie in that same kind of way because. Like, but it, but it clearly is. You no, know, it's a movie about it's. Here's, it's a movie about teenagers, but like the teen movie genre to me feels. Well, te- I think of things that remind me of Heather's Days in Confused, like the 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 John Hughes sure. style genre, and, and well, some of that know. though. I I Pony, you know, the stuff with Pony Boy Staying Gold feels more important. Well, than Well, you know what it is though. I I think probably. Uh, whether you realize it or
1: not, is so many, like I said, the 80s really broke out teen movies as a genre. Right. And most of them, not all, but most of them tend to be set in modern times. Like The Outsiders was 1983, but it's set like in either the late 50s or early 60s. So it feels kind of like a period piece more than it actually like a teen movie. Right. Like in terms of the way teen movies tend to be defined, uh, say anything. Is fun. Oh, I forgot about that. Say Anything, Say anything is a, one of the best. Say Anything is an absolutely amazing script. Um, Where do we put all the Freddie Prince Jr. movies?
0: <laughs> our, our college. It's got the boombox. It's got the boombox. I mean, it's so great. There's, there's so many great moments in there's the movie. so. It's really one of the best ones. It, it, we shouldn't have taken that long to name it. Well, it was really you. Right. But <laughs>
1: I had it on my list.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, Cusack
1: is just so great in that movie and the script is so good where do we put she's all that
0: uh, <laughs> depends the, the movie where we don't notice that rachel lee cook is hot because she's wearing overalls and glasses
1: it depends uh where we would put the movie <laughs> before we got to know Freddie and got right. to know that he's a cool guy or after because it's much higher now yeah <laughs> it's way higher now that we know Freddie. because <laughs> Freddie's great and, and i think if Freddie were here he'd make some of the same fun of the movie that we would you know Freddie does not take himself
0: seriously, no, and it really does hit all of these sort of bad teen movie cliches where, like you like I said, you don't wait a minute, wait a minute, she took. She took off her glasses, and now she says there's a whole section of the internet yes. devoted to guys with a glasses fetish. Um, we he, don't we don't recognize girls with glasses as being hot? Come on now. Um, I mean, Certainly. If you, you go to, like, YouPorn, you'll, you'll, you'll find a glasses li- section. Sexy librarian is a genre for yes. a reason. Yes. I don't, I don't you know, tell you but right granted, this was sort of pre-internet. It's, it was like 98, 97, 98, you know, still, 99.
1: Still, it's, it, it's keeping people working. Right. It has been for a while. Uh, I don't know if you said clueless. I by the way,
0: I kind of like the sexy librarian <laughs> thing. Oh yeah, Just absolutely. Saying. Oh yeah.
1: Did you say Clueless? If I yes, clicked, Clueless. Man. There you go. you are really on it. And we know by the way that this is being heard. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we had that glitch before. Oh yeah, <laughs> we fixed the glitch. Um, Amy Hatchel- is great. Amy Ackerling, who yep. directed this and Fast Times. Um, a couple other ones I had uh, Rumble Fish, which
0: I've always thought of as like the first teen art movie. But again. Kind of goes back to the, the thing that I just wouldn't have thought of it as a teen movie. And but River's right. Edge, River's Edge is a great River's Edge movie. really steps out of that it's, though it's dark. It's sort of like Virgin Suicides in the yeah. sense that it's it is a movie about teens, but it's not that it's not a teen movie in that sense. And I, I, so mentioned, you know, I mentioned I mentioned before see why people wouldn't put it in there.
1: I mentioned before that uh, book Brat Pack America. Uh huh. And one of the big things that the book hits on when it comes to the eighties importance with uh, the teen movie genre. Like in so many words was that before the 80s or maybe like a few films in the late 70s like Fame or Breaking Away, teen movies were largely like this referendum on how adults saw teenagers. And then in the 80s, they tilted the board and these movies really became about like how teenagers – Saw each other and saw the world. Like, yes. I guess, mean, like they, they treated. I mean, this, the is the che- of- this is a
0: cheesy version of that, but Cruise, that's this. Nerds, your side, Yes. My side. That's this. Man, it's all—it's bull- schmaltzy. You know, you know. It's but, but here's the thing, though. and this yourself. is what I think:
1: eighties teen movies consistently did well, and I think it really it set the template for stuff that's good in the nineties, like you know, like Clueless or like a Mean Girls or you know, further Easy A. The things that may seem silly as adults these movies don't lose sight of the importance to teenagers yes of how these things feel totally like they're real and important to teenagers in that moment and they're not dismissive of them you know i mean the none of these movies are condescending to how teenagers act and how teenagers talk with each other and things that matter to teenagers even like when you when you're an adult, you recognize that some of the stuff that you sweated when you were a teenager is, is ridiculous. ridiculous. Right. It's stupid. But it means something to you now. And by the way, some of the stuff you sweat as an adult is ridiculous and totally. stupid. And the eighties really was the first decade that gave sort of for lack of a better way of putting it, gave teenagers respect.
0: Um and that's why I think so many good teen movies came Wrong, and you, just, you also decade. had really talented people coming, yes. It just happened to hit at that time. Um, you also, you pointed out to me in an email that this was this week. It was Thursday, I think you said. Yes, it was, it was the, yesterday. The 20th anniversary of the first Behind the Music yes. on VH1. Yes. Um, and everybody remembers Behind the Music. I don't think everybody remembers, first of all, how long it ran. Yeah. It uh, was like 12 seasons or something. Because like I think in my head of VH1 is something that stopped like 18 years ago. Um, But it didn't. And then, like, everyone got a Behind the Music. I could not believe, looking
1: at the Wikipedia page, how many bands or artists ended up getting on Behind the Music. I mean, it was no disrespect to like the Bay City Rollers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they necessarily deserve it. I mean, you know, I know there was a period where Hootie and the Blowfish
0: were huge, but do we really need an examination? Of I, Hootie? I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm just pulling up random season by season listings. And I mean, the I, I, Dolls, get the I, half I out of here. Tell man. me if you think they deserve a a um, a a behind the music or not. Quiet Riot. <laughs> the Bay
1: City Rollers.
0: Does I mean, anybody really need to look take a deep dive on how this song came about? You know what I say about the V8, the, the behind the music Bay City Rollers. I give them one of these.
1: Shame. <laughs> Shame.
0: All right, uh, Quiet Riot. Are they worthy of a behind, they, do they need a half hour documentary about them? No.
1: <laughs> I agree with you.
0: No, a, first that of is all, the first of all, I don't even know, were these half an hour or an hour? I think they're a half hour, but are they, if they really don't deserve an hour, <laughs> uh, poison. I would say no, only in the sense they apparently gave one to
1: Brett Michaels too. Like, pick a lane. <laughs> you either give one to Brett Michaels, you give one to poison. You don't give both. That is the correct answer. I mean, you're
0: not talking about, like, Paul Simon, both Simon and Garfunkel. Right, that was 1999. Poison had, his, had its own. Weird, know, we, this is a tricky one. Like this I'll, is a tricky question. Go, I'll go John Lennon behind the music, Beatles behind the music. I'm not going Brett
1: Michaels and right. Poison.
0: Peter crisp behind
1: the music. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, Weird Al Yankovic. Probably. Yes, that is the correct answer. Weird Al Yankovic deserves his own behind yeah, I mean, the music. I mean, he's so specific. And- Weird Al Yankovic was a big... yeah damn deal yes he was he really i don't He shouldn't have been you could argue but he was uh eric burden and the animals the 60s rock band that did house of the rising sun i know who they are (laughs) (laughs) they did not deserve one
1: i mean i know that i know they had a certain degree of influence it feels a little much all right you mentioned john lennon Julian Lennon. Does no. 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 He does no. not need one. No. I mean, look, if anything, I don't want to see a behind the music of Julian Lennon because it's just going to make me feel awful for right. the guy. I mean, you want to talk about the guy who got the bleep end of the stick when it came to parenting. John Lennon was an awful parent to Julian. Yes, he was.
0: Like, he only became moderately
1: this interested is why, in parenting the,
0: when Sean got Not to around. tie it back to the, the, the political conversation about, you know, whatever, and monuments and this like, but it does, you, you do have to be careful about making people into saints and not having not being able to accommodate shortcomings that everybody has like michael landon i realize it you know symbol for everyone and he raised those Ingalls girls right yeah he, did. he didn't raise his own children though very well so no. uh grand funk railroad <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course not <laughs> that is incorrect
0: they deserve they do not deserve one although i am going to give them a ding that they do um yeah, we all agree Iggy Pop. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. We all agree Duran Duran deserves yes. one. Uh, Leaf Garrett.
1: Here's the thing with a guy like Leaf Garrett. Let me see if you get this right. The influence
0: isn't there, but the story
1: is interesting Correct. enough. The story
0: sells it. And by the way, he was in The Outsiders. Uh, REM, we can all agree. Yes. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. They do not deserve a. No, behind they the don't. No, because you know what? Their their signature You're basically song gonna co- Wild catchy. No.
1: Well, it's a, it's also too the reason unless they're unless that they were unless they were a much much more interesting band than I realize most of what you'd cover with casing the sunshine band I'm going to assume you end up covering either with the Bee Gees or with Chic. Wow, Neo
0: got a. Behind the music. Feels a little, it feels a little forced to <laughs> me. Train. No! <laughs> no! Hold on. Train deserves Shane. that. Train? Train. Uh, F out of is is Fun game. I like this game. <laughs> um, I mean, what? Bob Marley, obviously, yes. Foreigner, yes. Garbage, yes. Uh, Crow, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anthrax. Yes, I agree. Yes, anthrax. I mean, they're not my music, but they deserve it. Now, if anybody objects to Hall & Oates, just stop listening to this podcast. You're no longer invited. Now, okay. Lindsey Buckingham by himself. No. You're, what are you going to cover with Lindsey Buckingham that wasn't already there for Fleetwood Mac? That is correct. Lindsey Buckingham does not deserve it. All right. Well, all right. story over, over catalog. Blind Melon?
1: I guess. I mean, there's a part of me, I mean, now that I think about it, there's a part of me with guys like uh, Shannon Hoon, the late singer Blind Melon, or or with Leif Garrett, that it feels like including them, you're including them for all the wrong reasons. I feel sort of like I need a shower for saying yes. But,
0: I guess. This, by the way, is the next one of us, you're on, you're doing with, with Steve in a couple weeks, right? Yes, you have to play this game. Did okay. they? De- did they deserve a behind the music? Okay, Twisted Sister. Yeah, only because I want to know more about how those videos were made. That is incorrect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <It's a> sister, <laughs> come on, did- man. No, but
0: you, that 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 of That is not a reason to give Twisted Sister its own. I'm going so to do with a, couple you. Sure, a couple more? Sure. Couple. Um, Elton John. I think we can all agree. Run DMC, Quincy Jones. Run- like at the beginning, you go back to the beginning. Like, it seems like they're—they're they're really. Okay, Ricky Martin. Yes. Yes, Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry, wrong one. Uh, God, the monkeys. Yeah,
1: it's an interesting story. The monkeys is an interesting story how they were literally created. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, they used to hang out with Jack Nicholson. Now,
0: this is an interesting one. Episode 22, Flashdance. The movie. Yeah, you Plashed know, what? I,
1: I will give that a yes. I will actually give that a yes. That became a musical and cultural phenomenon. I will give that a yes. Plus, uh, everyone cool. wants to hear from Michael Cimbello.
0: They also started just doing like years. Like they, they, they got, I mean, I think they, once they realized they had a hit on their hand. Again, this thing was insanely popular. <laughs> it was incredible. And, and by and large, too,
1: very well done. Yeah. I mean, I, look, all, I'll say this: all of these artists that I'm saying had no business being profiled for behind the music. I would likely sit down and watch every single one of them.
0: <laughs> okay, about no, Nas. No. Do you think Nas does yes, this one? Absolutely I agree. Uh, Gloria Gaynor. Not a lot of there, there.
1: I mean, I, I get, I get why Gloria Gaynor it's a sort matters. of story,
0: right? I get why she matters, and this may she this will may... survive. I mean, a lot of bad things happen to Gloria Gaynor over the course. I of I was going to say it may. It may just be my ignorance of
1: what went on in her personal life. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of there there, but maybe there is, and I just don't know.
0: Okay. Keith Moon, just by himself. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, my God. He could have been the entire series. (laughs) (laughs) Keith Moon could have just behind
1: the moon. This is
0: why, by the way, this is why, if anybody wonders, we do these things last because – no, no clock. Like, if there is no clock, <laughs> no and clock. like this is, we are officially long past. I wonder if people are still interested in this segment and are just. I'm just throwing stuff out at Andy. Andy Gibb, yes, by himself. Oh yeah, I agree. Oh, I mean, it is sadly the Lilith Fair
1: by itself. Yes. You know, actually, I I just realized this because I was doing uh, some research for. Um, Mic'ed up, I was I was one day and I didn't end up uh, having time to put it out there. We just came on the uh twentieth anniversary of the Lilith Fair. Mm-hmm. That was uh earlier in the week as well. That it was an insanely uh successful tour. The first one. It made a lot of money. And as much as there are like, you know, all the easy, you know, estrogen jokes and you know, like white girl music was, jokes, yeah. You look at the lineup, that is like a murderer's row. Of female performers, it's really good.
0: <laughs> A murderous row of lady singers. But I mean, like, it's. I'm gonna
1: pull it up really
0: quickly. The the. Can you tell? Do you know the first? What were the first two, of all the ba- the incredible bands and in this and that? Where do you know the first two yes, behind I knew, music? I, I, you I looked, looked like, it up. Yeah, it's uh Millie Vanilli. Milli Vanilli and MC Hammer. MC Hammer. Of all, <laughs> although I saw CJ's
1: face. Although interesting stories. I mean, both are they very are. interesting they are. stories. This is, by the way, uh, before we go, because we're probably nearing the end. No, I think we, yeah. I mean, we, we were nearing the end 12 minutes ago. This is the main stage for Lilith Fair. Okay. Sarah McLaughlin. Obviously, she was the organizer. Now she just makes you cry with those puppy commercials. I can't watch them. <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Uh-huh. Tracy Chapman. Jewel. Paula Cole, Suzanne Vega, Mary Chapin Carpenter, Fiona Apple, Joan Osborne, The Cardigans, Amy Lou Harris, Lisa Loeb, Indigo that's Girls. pretty much all of them. Sean I mean, Colvin, Meredith Brooks, uh, Tracy Bonham, Indie
0: Ire, Natalie Merchant. It's like, that's pretty much it. I'm just
1: saying, I mean, if you're even remotely into that genre, that is
0: a that's straight up murderer's row. I can't think of anybody who's missing. Uh, on the sort what were sides- the rules? Did you have to be a, like it uh, was it just female artists I or think, just a female fronted band
1: uh, it's largely female artists i mean i mean the there weren't a lot of bands there weren't actually a lot right, of just, female uh, it's, it's artists right yeah
0: i mean the indigo girls there are two of them but right. i mean <laughs> there aren't there aren't but many. there weren't it wasn't like you found a bunch of like male acts that were leaning in i mean the, i don't know sheryl <laughs> I <mean>, sandberg style <laughs> I, mean, I guess they could have invited like l7 just didn't see what happened um but like the sundays fronted by a woman but who had a phenomenal voice yes by the she way. did yes like she Sherry did. Wheeler and gorgeous yeah um, she was real cute I had a major crush on her I think it had all to be all that was missing from that first lineup was Belinda Carlisle
1: I think it had to be all ladies like I I get I mean I don't know if any of like the backing musicians and stuff like that right. could, like was
0: Garbage invited like could you bring them
1: I want to say they neither were invited nor could you bring them and I don't even know if they would have accepted
0: <laughs> no, I don't know either <laughs> but you know so, but like that like garbage was fronted. No, by – No, because they were they were fronted by, by uh, uh, Shirley, Shirley Manson.
1: Manson, but the rest of the band was men. A bunch of
0: dudes. That's my question.
1: I don't think that would qualify. Okay, um, that's my guess. Is I don't think it would qualify. I also was not invited, so I don't know. For what sure. about
0: the lady with the big mouth who sang? And I mean that literally. She had a large mouth who sang. Uh, um, These are days. Did that's Natalie Merchant. Oh, you? She was. In, you, you mentioned yes. her. Yes. Okay. Good. She kind of was. She like helped put it together, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking up right now. The the group Morchiba. They they are an electronic band.
1: Uh, they were on the second stage, and it's a female artist, and then two brothers, I guess, doing the backup. But I I'm guessing nobody really knew who they were. And like once you sort of get in like trip hop and Electronica, it's all weird <laughs> to figure out like who's okay. doing what. But generally speaking, I think it it About, needed to be just all female. Oh, it was that that thing made a ton of money. Yes, yes, it did. All right, Matchbox Twenty got it behind the music. That is BS, man. Shame. I mean, come on. Shame.
0: Who would want to even learn about Matchbox Twenty? I, I still think Train might be the worst. Train is any of those things. Train isn't. Train, Train. That is straight up egregious. When people talk, when people talk about the 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 mistakes that white people have made. Mm-hmm. They're really talking about training. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) Like, this song has not helped race relations at all in (laughs) this country.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At all. This would be the worst concert. Oh, like, you know, when they play this song in concert, it sounds exactly like the album. (laughs) Not a lot of risks. Pitbull. <laughs> Pitbull.
1: <laughs> Pitbull got one.
0: That's when you really... It's like we've stretched this as long as we can. Yes. Similar to the show. Mm-hmm. You make that argument. All right, um, so... Tom Thomas did do himself well uh, by doing that duet with Santana, though. <laughs> that's, like nah. the, that's like the nadir of Santana. That was Carlos saying, you know what? I need a house in Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're we're going to learn one day that Carlos Santana owed some back taxes right. and needed to make a buck real quick. Yeah, I mean so it's just like you know what i have been one of the greatest guitarists this the 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 planet earth has ever seen and nobody pays a lick of attention to me fine i'll do it this way what's Uh, a matchbox 20 i don't i don't care um it's still not trained awful (laughs) match i'd rather listen to matchbox 20 than train sadly i probably would um all right so i cannot promise anybody that there's going to be interesting basketball stuff happening between now and the beginning of training camp. We're just going to keep looking but for more anniversary. We'll anniversaries. just keep doing this, um, and we, we'll 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 do it near the end, generally. So you just you know we get credit for you listening up to this point. Anything else, Andy? Nope. All right. Talk to everybody next time.